your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you enjoyed this episode and want to stay tuned for the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Doing so is always free and ensures you never miss another episode. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS App Store and find one of our Locked On Rooms. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. On tonight's show, as the Jets are not playing this evening, I thought I would talk about a couple of different fun little topics. I think the first thing that I wanted to cover was continuing our player report card series, which we've had, you know, just a couple of games left in the season, but I think we have a large enough sample to assign letter grades. Keep them, you know, context dependent in a lot of respects. They are a more holistic rating. It's not like I'm looking for 100% accuracy on this one, but I thought you would appreciate at least getting a sense of how, you know, we might feel on their performances. So if you have any comments or you think my grades are too harsh, maybe not quite fair enough, or who knows what you think, let me know, and maybe I'll even discuss your ratings on a future episode. But in a previous episode, we've already covered all the forwards. It's now time to take a look at the defenders and goalies. And then later on in the episode, I thought it might be interesting to discuss uh, Cole Perfetti's performance and what it might mean for his pro-level future career as a Winnipeg Jet. So kicking us off, we're going to start with our defenders, which our defender report cards are going to be an interesting one. This has been a tough year for the Jets' defense, and some of it is systems-based, some of it is personnel-based. We'll start off with Josh Morrissey, who might be one of the more polarizing skaters for Winnipeg. To be quite honest, I think Josh is probably best as like a C, I would say. I think this has been a brutal year for him. He's definitely playing above his level at this point. He's not a number one defender. I think that much we've understood. But what's really been puzzling to see over the past couple of seasons, it's not just this year, it's a, it's a continuing trend, but we've noticed that he's definitely slowing down somehow. Like, his defensive reads are very poor, at times his, his decision making isn't really expedient enough, he doesn't win physical battles as often as he used to, he occasionally makes really bad passes for no apparent reason into, you know, covered lanes and stuff, and then when he's in the offensive zone, his slap shots and uh, point shots aren't really all that impactful. In fact, he often wastes opportunities inside the offensive zone because he goes for a very simple shot that, for most goalies, isn't going to trouble them. Some of that is on the coaching staff because they're asking Winnipeg to do a lot of point shots, especially from their defenders, which I don't think is particularly helpful, but I'm going to say, you know, in some respects, he probably also bears responsibility because he's shooting on opportunities where he could probably improvise and make a better pass or something, or at least just maintain zone possession. I think what Morrissey does best when he's inside the offensive zone is when he's dropping towards the face-off circles. If he actually gets down to that area, I don't mind him taking a shot. He's got a decent release in close. The problem is that Winnipeg often just has their defenders shooting from distance to try and look for a deflected tip or something, which I don't really think is all that effective, especially with how often it actually leads to Winnipeg just turning the puck over and losing zone possession. I'd rather them sort of work out some kind of a cycle, even if it just tires out the opposing skaters, that to me is more effective than just slinging it from the point and hoping for the best. Factoring in the fact that Morrissey has probably been a little bit injured and is certainly wearing a lot of responsibility on his shoulders, I, I would 
not want to give him like a D, even though I think his on-ice performance at times has been closer to that. Over the past 10 or so games, he's definitely been notably improved, especially when he was playing with Dylan DeMello. So I, I kind of curved it up a little bit to like a C. I think that's a fair rating for his season so far, and it's unfortunate because I'd love to give him something higher, but this year has kind of been brutal for him, and it's not just on his shoulders that the responsibility for his issues lies. You know, the coaching staff doesn't really seem to recognize that he's not a number one D. They keep putting him in really high leverage situations that he's not equipped to handle, so I, I can't say that it's all his fault, but, you know, Morrissey definitely hasn't done himself that many favors. His typical D partner in crime, Tucker Pullman, I have to give like a D for this season. Pullman's just way in over his head. He's a third pairing guy who, if you give him like 12 to 15 minutes a night at most in like a third pairing role alongside somebody who's, you know, maybe a little bit less adventurous and, and certainly capable of shoring up for his mistakes. I think Pullman's fine. He's like a number 60 and that's probably the max where I would take it. The problem is that the coaching staff seems to think he's in fact a number 1D to play with Morrissey, which I don't really understand. I think their whole concept is that they try to balance the pairings out as much as possible. You know, one quality D with one lesser, weaker D supposedly to try and, you know, balance out the minutes and stuff. But when you actually look at the time on ice deployments, you know, Pullman and Morrissey are playing far too much over some of these other players. It's definitely a worrying trend and Pullman's just, he's not really equipped to handle first pairing de deployments, especially against really high-end competition. If you keep his instructions really simple and straightforward, I think he can handle those, especially if it's just like, get the puck out, make a simple pass, don't look for some crazy breakout, and just keep it very straightforward. When he's asked to do a lot of other stuff like leading breakouts, activating in the offensive zone, and improvising on the fly, that's where you notice he has a lot of issues. He's especially poor under pressure because he often just turns the puck over on really bad passes and often loses physical battles, especially against speedier forwards or those who have a bit of a size advantage on him. The unfortunate thing is that he has all of the physical tool sets that would make him like a top four defender, but he just doesn't really have the IQ or decision making to actually keep up. The D is kind of harsh and I feel bad about assigning it to him because it's not necessarily his fault. He's just doing what the team is asking him to. But, you know, I'm giving these player report cards based on their on-ice performance for the most part. So in that respect, I think Pullman has really struggled this year. I, I could see a case for him getting an F, but I think by, by that standard, I think that's probably a little too harsh because it's not like he's completely failing every single shift. And seriously, he's just following the instructions that he's been told. It's not necessarily his fault that he's swimming alongside Morrissey on the top pairing. It's the coaching staff that needs to adjust and move him into a, a role that's more preferable to his skill set. Stop putting him under really high leverage situations that he's just not equipped to handle. And make sure that your instructions to him actually match the kind of player he is, which is an okay third pairing puck moving defender who can occasionally contribute offensively and certainly use his physical size to an advantage along the walls, but not necessarily somebody that you want touching the puck a lot. That pairing in general is just really baffling to me why the Jets continue to run it, and it's it's bad enough that it could hurt them come postseason time. Hopefully Morrissey is able to elevate his play a bit more, but I think we know that's probably asking a lot. So we'll kind of measure expectations. Um, I think a C and a D for both of these guys makes a lot of sense. Thankfully, the ratings kind of improve from here, and in just a moment we'll talk about the second pairing, which has been uh, a default first pairing for the Jets for a while now. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are doing our player report cards for the season, which, you know, the season has a few games left, but I think we have enough, you know, data to give a relatively even-keeled rating for a lot of these players. We've talked about all the forwards. We just covered Josh Morrissey and uh, Tucker Pullman on the first pairing. Now it's time to look at the second pairing and beyond. 
Before we go a little bit too far ahead of ourselves, though, I did want to let you know about a wonderful uh, Locked On Podcast Network NFL initiative that I think you'll love. This year, the Locked On Podcast Network is partnering with the Draft Network to cover the NFL Draft live. Get insight and analysis from Locked On local experts and the Draft Network's national experts. Subscribe to the Locked On NFL YouTube page to watch live three-day coverage of the NFL Draft starting April 29th through May 1st. Hopefully, I'll see a few of you Ravens fans out there, but, you know, if you're a Steelers fan or something, don't worry, I don't hate you that much. Speaking of things I don't hate that much, I have to say that this year we saw a very interesting second pairing between Derek Forbort and Neil Pionk. Now, I think that this rating is going to be very interesting for a guy like Derek Forbort in particular because Forbort's season has been a little bit of an up-and-down stretch. For the first 15 or so games, Forbort looked to be a pretty solid second pairing D, but over the last uh, 15 to 20, it's been it's been a bit of a rough ride. For one thing, I don't think Derek is entirely healthy. He just looks very slow and sluggish in a lot of the corners and stuff that he didn't really have issues with before, and his decision-making is definitely delayed, like he's not really sure what he needs to do when he needs to do it. It's been a lot more noticeable over the past couple of months, and I think it's showing that he's more of like a quality third-pairing guy, maybe, in sheltered minutes. Less so a guy who's been asked to shoulder the burden of like a top-pairing deployment for at least a couple of months now, for almost the entire season, really. They don't play nearly as much as uh, Pullman and Morrissey do, but Forbort Pionk has been put out a lot. And I guess, if nothing else, Forbort is at least better than Tucker Pullman and some of the other guys the Jets have dressed in the past, but he's not exactly somebody that I would be putting in really high-leverage situations. Aside from his defensive miscues as of late, I think the other issue that I have with him is that he definitely likes to shoot way more than he should, which, you know, again, is probably partly a systems thing. But by the same token, if you're going to take shots, at least get it on target, which is something that, you know, Forbort occasionally has struggled with. Not quite as much as Logan Stanley has, but certainly to a level where I'm like, hmm you might need to actually put that one in the wheelhouse of either the opposing goaltender or one of your forwards. Considering the amount of minutes that he's been given and his, you know, relative level of performance, I'm going to give him somewhere between like a C plus and a B minus. I have a really hard time with this one because it's definitely a situation like Tucker where he's been asked to do probably way too much, but he hasn't been sinking nearly as badly as some of those other guys. I, I would put him in like, I think a, a B minus would probably be at least a slightly generous rating, but not too crazy above what he's done this season. He's a third-pairing guy asked to be a number 3D, which is a lot of just about anyone. His partner, Neil Pionk, I actually have a very nice and generous rating for. I think he deserves an A- for the season. Pionk has been a revelation for the Jets. He's probably in the right role for the most part. I would say that maybe he gets a few extra minutes that you would like to uh, maybe dole out to somebody else who's a little bit more defensively resolute, but overall, Pionk's season has been tremendous. Neil's been one of our top defenders the entire season. His defensive marking and, and route reading have been better. Um, his passing and distribution in trouble have been good. His skating while in possession is effective. He can lead breakouts. He offensively activates. And he scores quite a few points. He's also pretty decent on the power play. Neil definitely has issues sometimes recognizing where danger is on very specific situations, but he's improved so much from where he was when he first arrived with the Jets, and it's at the point where, like, I would like the Jets to extend him if they could get him on a reasonable contract. If you could get him something similar to like a 5.5 by 4 or 5 year contract situation, I think that that would be great. The problem is I would imagine him getting more on the open market, and I think the other problem is that the Jets are going to have some cap issues without moving Morrissey. I think Josh at this point is probably not going to be the kind of player that you were expecting when he was signed for like 8 seasons, so... I'd rather the Jets move on from Josh and try to commit to Neil instead, which, you know, is crazy to say. I, I would never would have expected this a couple of years ago. 
But the times do change, and Pionk has cemented himself as a really reliable second-pairing D. You know, he's been asked to be the number one guy at times when, um, I guess, the Jets needed him, especially earlier in the season. But he's definitely become more of like a secondary number one as Morrissey and Pullman, for some reason, get trusted with even more minutes. Is Pionk the world's best defender? No. He's probably comfortably like a number four on a really good contender. But I, I have to say that, overall, I still think an A- minus is fair for him. He's busted his tail. He's done a great job for the Jets. Overall, I'm very happy with the season. The last defender I'm really going to rate because the third pairing has changed a lot, and I think the only consistent guy has been Dylan DeMello. Um, that one, I'm going to focus on him a little bit more just because Nate Beaulieu and Logan Stanley really didn't play long enough to get like a really big rating. Although I'll say that if I had to rate Beaulieu, he's getting like a D minus. It was a rough, rough year for Nate. Stanley's kind of in like that C-plus category, but again, neither of them have actually played all that many games, relatively speaking, so I'm going to skip them for now. DeMello is getting like a B-plus to an A-minus. I probably lean more towards A-minus because he really is Winnipeg's best overall defender, but he just doesn't actually get that much ice time to, to show off what he can do. For some reason, Maurice tends to shelter him a lot, which I don't really understand. Yes, he's actually very effective in helping guys like Stanley and Heinle acclimate to the NHL level, but if your best puck-moving active defender is stuck on the third pairing, it's kind of an issue. He's also very smart when it comes to making defensive reads, using effective body positioning, forcing turnovers, and trying to cover for some of his partner's mistakes. Morrissey's mostly improved stretch really came when he was paired with DeMello. You know, Dylan lets him do a lot more than what Morrissey alone can do with Pullman. DeMello has also been one of the best uh, underlying stats representatives for Winnipeg's blue line for almost the entire season. Pionk is right around there behind him. But in terms of D, I genuinely trust with defensive assignments. You know, DeMello tends to be at the top of my list, and it's really a shame that Maurice won't give him more ice time. He should be anchoring that top pairing alongside Morrissey, but for some reason they keep putting Tucker Pullman there instead. So I don't really understand it. It is what it is. DeMello has been very good despite his limited minutes. I think an A- is a pretty fair rating for his season so far. That'll wrap up our skater reviews. The rest haven't really played enough for me to give, like, a particularly fair rating other than, you know, what I've mentioned anecdotally. You can probably guess which guys would be on my poop list anyway, so it's not really worth getting too much into detail. We'll actually talk about the goalies up next in just a moment. Before then, I wanted to talk to you about why Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. By now, you probably know that I'm personally a huge fan of Bilt Bar, especially if you've been listening to this podcast for a long time. I talk about Bilt Bar all the time. I just love them. They're more like a candy bar with a dark chocolate exterior and a soft, chewy interior. They've got 12 original great flavors, but if you have to choose a couple of them, I'd say raspberry and mint brownie might take it for me. But if you can't decide, check out their variety box so you can try all of their flavors and you don't have to worry about picking and choosing just a handful. Of course, Bilt's not content to rest on its laurels and is back in better than ever with six brand new flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. All of these flavors are outstanding. I've tried all of them, but if you have to choose, you know, maybe two flavors to give your first love to, cookies and cream and lemon oven cheesecake might take it for me. As good as they taste, and believe me, they are delicious, they're even better for you. With most Bilt Bars clocking in at 200 calories or less, between 14 and 19 grams of protein, and 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. To place your order, go to BiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 at checkout, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BiltBar.com. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are uh, talking about player report cards for the Jets this season. We've already talked about the forwards and the defenders. And now it's time for the goaltenders. Uh, Connor Hellebuck is going to get an A- from me. I thought it was another very good season from him. Maybe not quite like top, top level in terms of like being the lead front man for the Vesna, but still pretty much a, a top three finalist at least. 
Hellebuck put in another huge shift for this team, and even though last night's you know performance maybe wasn't quite up to standard, he's been very good throughout most of the entire season. He's bailed the Jets out very frequently, stole them probably a few wins here and there. Overall, just a really impressive season, and I feel like I don't have to say that much. If you watch the Jets, you know Hellebuck has been one of our two main anchors for this team and continues to be a reason why this team is capable of making the postseason despite so many defensive issues. As far as Laurent Brassois is concerned, I'm going to give him like a B. I think Brassois did enough in his time because it's not like he actually plays that much, especially in a shortened season in which Hellebuck is probably going to get the bulk of the starts. Brassois spelled him when he needed to, made some pretty nice saves. Overall, like a decent performance, nothing crazy. But Laurent filled his role perfectly, and I think he's doing pretty fine as Winnipeg's backup. He'll have competition next season, but overall, a nice season from him. Probably not a whole lot to say about that. Um, and on the whole, I think Winnipeg's uh, skaters and goalies in general just gets like a B minus to a B for me. There were certainly parts of this team that were pretty decent, you know, the goaltending, and for the most part, the forwards were pretty decent. Uh, the defense, definitely not on that list of good things, but they had some individual standouts that I think do deserve at least some recognition. And all of this does kind of lead me to one thought that I had about, you know, Cole Perfetti, who is very much not going to get into the lineup this year. I think the the coaching staff has made it very clear that rookies are, you know, not something that they tend to like to put in other than Logan Stanley. I don't know why, but Stanley, for some reason, has earned the trust of uh, the coaching staff more so than Billy Heinola or a lot of other rookies like Christian Veselainen, which I don't really get. I think Stanley has many of the same problems that some of these other guys do, but it is what it is. The team definitely likes their big kids. Stanley is probably a little bit on the older side compared to some of the younger prospects. And so long as he has like a defensively responsible partner and doesn't make too many mistakes, I don't really mind him playing. I just think, you know, I'd rather have a couple of other rookies. And Perfetti for me is somebody who's starting to show that he looks like a really good bonafide top six forward. He's been shredding it with a moose with many multi-point games as of late. He's got like a four-game point streak as far as I know. He's been scoring power play goals. He's been creating lots of offensive opportunities. His skating through the neutral zone and through the offensive zone, he's starting to pick up some of those really good strides and, and very good routes to the net. And stylistically, I think he'd be a perfect fit for somebody like Pierre-Luc Dubois. Somebody on Twitter um, was talking about different line combos that he might try next year. And I think Dubois and, and Perfetti might actually think about the ice in a very specific way. Dubois constantly wants to be near the net, which a lot of Winnipeg skaters don't do as much. Cop and Appleton and some of these other guys are probably the most stylistically similar to Dubois, but, you know, obviously Pierre-Luc Dubois has, like, amazing hands, a really hard shot, and an incredible top gear when he's actually at speed. But he makes a lot of his living down low, and thus far, you know, playing with you know, guys like Ehlers and Connor, those don't really fit his skill set. In my mind, I think Perfetti actually has a lot of uh, instincts to naturally look for players near the net front area, which is something that I think would be a huge boost for both players, because Dubois can get himself into really tight spaces, sort of just maul the opponent down, and create scoring opportunities for himself if somebody actually looks his way for once. I think he's somebody that definitely loves getting into the mix um, right in front of the goalie or to the side of the goalie, which Winnipeg skaters, for the most part, don't really think about the ice that way. Perfetti, though, loves working around the face-off circles, and I think it's why he'd be a perfect fit on uh, on Dubois' wing. So eventually, I'd like to see them try together. It's not going to be this season. I think, again, like I said, Maurice has made it very clear that rookies do not get into this team unless it's like Logan Stanley. And that only really happened because Nate Beaulieu went down with a season-ending injury. So, you know, the Jets are kind of stagnating for me, and I think a guy like Perfetti would actually solve quite a few problems. The depth scoring definitely needs to pick up. I think Perfetti would be very good alongside somebody like Lowry or Kopp. 
And eventually, once he earns enough ice time, he deserves a, a look on the second line. At least I think he's got the skill sets, the puck movement, the skating, the instincts. I think he's got all of that to be a really effective second line forward of some sort. And if all pans out, maybe like a top line scorer. I, I don't know if he's going to reach those heights exactly, but he's showing a lot to make me think he might be in that in that range of player. I'd love to hear your thoughts about Perfetti maybe getting a look this season and certainly next year and where you think he might play. So be sure to let me know at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. That will do it for tonight's episode on this Friday evening. I hope that you enjoy your weekend. And before you log off, do not forget to check out our Ultimate Mock Draft. The Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey is happening right now. It features analysis from NFL experts like Michael Irvin, Jason Lockenfora, and Brian Baldinger. Our local experts are making trades and picks for their respective teams, looking for the next big football stars. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y, Odyssey. As always, thanks for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!